This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I'm actually Snavely being of sound mind and body to hereby bequeath the following. To my wife Rose, who spent money like there was no tomorrow, I leave $100 and a calendar. To my sons, Rodney and Victor, who spent every dime I ever gave them on fancy cars and fast women, I leave $50 in dimes. And to my other friends and relatives who also never learned the value of a dollar, I leave a dollar. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and whether you're young or old, I guarantee Joe is still older than you. Today, we're talking about the difference between saving for young people versus older people. To help you think about your money no matter what your age, we welcome from the Everyone's Talking Money podcast, Shauna Game. Also, to tell us about how interest has compounded since the Cretaceous period, we welcome from LenPenzo.com, a Velociraptor. Nah, we haven't taught ours to speak yet. It's just Len Penzo. Plus, we welcome something even more likely to sneak up on you. Paulette Perhatch! But that's not all. Then I'll swoop in with my trivia question. And now a guy who's young at heart but has been investing a long, long, woo, man, long time. It's Joe Saul Seahide. Oh, welcome to the Ageism Jokes Never End Podcast. I'm Joe Saul Seahide, Average Show Money on Twitter. Happy Friday to you. Sit back and relax because we're about to have some fun talking money. 
Let's introduce everybody here besides the man with the, uh, what, what, what does the dots on your mug represent? Is there something, Doug, to the dots on your mug? Uh, that's a brown trout, Joe. Oh, that, of course. <laughs> of course. I failed to miss. No, Paulette. <laughs> not that kind of brown trout. <laughs> oh, wow. That's what he said. Let the record show we lasted like uh, 42 seconds before we had the brown trout joke. But that voice you just heard is the amazing. <laughs> Paulette Perhatch is here. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. You're headed to Mexico after we get done. I am tagging along on something called the Baja Excel, which is a 3,000-mile rally from San Diego down to about Baja and back to Tijuana. And I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. So it's been real. That is fabulous. How did you get involved in that? I literally, I was just talking to my journalism students about this today. I walked past a car in Capitol Hill, Seattle, and it had, it just like had all this gear. You know, those cars that like have a snorkel and you're like, what is, what are you doing? What's going on here? Like, I want to be you. And they had this sticker, like the Baja 4000, I think it was called at that time. And I just Googled it and I was like, this is amazing. And I almost went in 2021, but didn't because of the pandemic. And then I'm like, I'm making it happen. So it's been very challenging. Like the start off is an hour and a half from the San Diego airport. So even just like getting there and like all these challenges, but I really have like made it happen. So I have like a sat phone and a new pack and I just got a new sleeping bag for even colder weather this morning. So I'm going, that's all I know. (laughs) That is, that is so awesome. So wild. Just, you know what? I'm doing it. And by the way, Paulette, I know a guy whose house has a snorkel because he's deep under Los Angeles. Mr. Len Penzo's here with us. How are you, man? I'm great, Paulette. I, I didn't hear you say anything about having uh, anti-parasitical drugs. You didn't take those along with you. You probably want want to do that. I have my life straw. I'm breaking oh, okay. it. Okay. Well, oh, you're set. I'm sure that'll. You're set. <laughs> you're you're good. So, anyways, I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Joe. Thank you very much. Fantastic. And Len, do you want to hear? We have a special guest with us today. I can't wait. I know. From the Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I don't know why it's taken us so long. She's been with us on Instagram, but never on the show. I don't know why. Shauna Game is here. How are you? Good. I mean, I was just, you know, sitting here waiting for the ask for the invite. So, you know, it's about time, right? Yeah. She's she's been crying, just waiting every day. <laughs> Telling, telling her relatives. Yes. I don't know what's going on with Joe. Well, tell the few people that don't know about everyone's talking money about the fun stuff you do over there, because I love your show. It's this little show that I've had for about eight years. And yeah, we have a lot of fun. We literally talk about everything about money. And you are a CFP. I call myself a recovering CFP. So still have those credentials. We'll always pay the annual dues because it was torturous to get those. But I am no longer actually sitting across the table from clients. So, you know, the podcast is is my love. It's my way of talking about money in a fun, creative way that excites me. I think, Shauna, you and I have that in common because I love what we do here and talking about money with groups of people. But I, I get hives thinking about ever going back. Like, no, thank you. Is that you too? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, full on sweat breaking out. <laughs> yes. It's don't get me wrong. A lot of good people doing that work. A lot of fantastic people, but just not not for me. Um, it's so much more fun doing it this way. Shauna, if you need a new theme song for your show, just hit me up afterwards. I've got it for you. All right, you know I I'm ready for it. I'm ready, Doug. Want to hear I'm a little piece right now? Yeah, I I actually do. Give me give me a little tease. Everybody's talking money. 
Can't hear a word they're saying. You know the song, right? How did you not already do this? (laughs) Wow. Hold on. Where the hell is my... that is the echoes uh... from inside the bank vault. (laughs) The crowd goes crazy. I think it's a winner, Doug. Yeah, it is. (laughs) I knew that before I started singing. She's like, I will have my people uh, never call you. And... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. All right, we got Singin' Doug today. We got Paulette, Len, and Shauna. But before that, we have a slight detour. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to... Uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender. And now... We're talking about advice differences for younger people versus older people. Let's get moving. Today's piece is, uh, comes to us from Forbes. It is written by Halsey Schreier, who's a contributor. She's managing director and senior wealth strategist for CIBC Private Wealth Management. Halsey writes this piece with a very interesting title, Personal Finance for Young Adults, Savings Basics, and the Power of Compounding. And when I was flipping around and I was reading this this piece and actually just coming across the headline, I thought, is it truly that much different for young people than it is for older people, for seasoned investors? So, Shauna, I'll start with you as our guest. Where do you think younger people and older people are playing the same game? Not a different game, but we're all kind of in there together. Wow, that is a um, that's a loaded question. <laughs> there are far more similarities than there actually are differences when it comes to younger people and older people. I think how they think about what they're going to do with their money is definitely very different. You know, younger people are focused on like, how do I actually live right now? How do I go take those trips and do all that fun stuff? And so. 
you know, I think savings is definitely in in the back of their mind, but I guess it depends on what kind of age group we're we're talking about. So I was just talking to a friend the other day who's I don't know if she'd be considered young. She's 40, so I don't know where she falls she would. in that bracket. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's really young. Say, okay. She she would like, clearly where, Where's the cutoff she here? She looks great. <laughs> <laughs> she would describe herself as young, I would think, Shauna. She would describe herself as young. Maybe. She has two kids, so she probably would describe herself as feeling old <laughs> and um, a little sore on most days. But she was just telling me that she was with her financial advisor and they were talking about retirement and she was starting to freak out. She said, I actually like yelled at him in the Zoom call because he was he was throwing out all these things like, you know, it's going to be okay. Like you have enough time to save. And she was just feeling the panic of suddenly being 40 and and feeling like, you know, it was all over. Like she's never going to be able to, to have enough money for saving. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that... I've talked to people in their in their 20s and they kind of have those, those same fears and yet they'll go out and and drop a bunch of money on a on a trip or on, you know, a new pair of sneaks or something like that. So I'm not answering your question, but I'm answering your question. <laughs> I think there are a lot more similarities than there actually are differences. And I think, you know, when it comes down to it, like the things that people are actually worried about are pretty much the same no matter what age age they are. They want to make sure they have enough money, but they still want to do things in life. They still want to have an you know enjoyable existence. Len, you agree? On the same thing, yes. I, I think nobody wants to outlive their money. That's the goal, whether you're young or old. Oh, you haven't talked to Doug, have you? <laughs> There's differences though too. So, uh, But yeah, I think that's the main – I think Sean is right. That's probably the main one, the main goal that young and old have alike. And yet, yet, Paulette, when I see pieces not written by you, written by other people, I, I often see this, well, that's the way it used to work. That's, an, that, mm-hmm. that, that's the way older people did it. Like, why do we have so many pieces that are written now that are parsing between, well, that's the old way. This is for young people. This is the new hot way, the better way. Well, I think that's always kind of something where the new, you know, the youngest generations are always trying to break away from older generations. And a lot has changed, but I think we can't throw out general principles that work just like physics works anywhere where it's like, yeah, compounding interest is still a thing, you know, and when you're young, you just don't have enough of imagination of all that can happen because you haven't seen it firsthand. And so I think you can believe it is a certain way. And then you get brought back to reality of like, well, no, things still actually do work this way. You know, we we saw that recently with crypto, right? I felt like crypto mm. was kind of described to us all as a young person's thing. And hey, if you're older X age, you won't get it. You won't yeah. get it. Now I think, Paulette, looking at crypto, I mean, how's that, not to quote Dr. Phil, but how's that working out for you? <laughs> yeah. People who have seen these kind of grandiose statements about things and then seen it all crash. You know, for me, it was living in St. Augustine in 2005. It was the fastest growing county in the nation. Right. And it was this land grab and I bought a house and then went totally down. Right. So to see something flip that dramatically, you get burned and you learn like, okay, well, it might be different. So I'm going to, I'm going to chill here for a little bit and see. And when you're young, you just kind of don't have that attitude. So things do seem more exciting. It's like, no, what could go wrong? This is going to be great. This is amazing. And then you're like, listen to grandpa. I was thinking it's funny because I think every age group kind of has their thing, right? When you talk Mm -hmm. about real estate, a lot of people that are millennials, we just did a story on this recently, a lot of 
A lot of evidence shows millennials are reticent to invest because of the fact that as they were coming up through high school, college, beginning to get a job, like nobody was getting a job and people were losing their house, watching their mm-hmm. parents lose their house, older friends lose their houses. I mean, that they're saying that they're losing their house. And so you look at them with investments, they're behind where Gen Z much more likely to invest because they were, you know, they, they were the, the go-go crypto and Instagram posts that show everybody getting rich on real estate. And so they're way ahead of the game on investing, but not as far ahead on having a cash reserve, having an emergency fund in the bank. But their Robinhood account is is completely full of money. Yeah, I taught for 10 years at a university in uh, California. And it was it was really interesting. Most of the students were first-generation students. You know, on the first day, I would ask them, you know, what do you want to learn about money? And they would all say that they saw what happened in like 2008, 2009, either with their parents or their brother and sister, or, you know, maybe a, a business fell apart or they had to move or, you know, something, something happened to them. They all had some sort of relationship with that, with that time period and that they were panicky about money and that they wanted to hold their money really, really tightly. They, they didn't want to put it even in you know, a savings account or a high-yield savings account or anything like that. But then in the same breath, they would then say, but we want to learn how to get all in crypto and we want to learn how to play the stock market. You know, right. it was just so interesting. I'm like, okay, that's like class 10, you know, <laughs> before the semester ends. Like we have to build this foundation before we get there. And like, no, 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 no. Teach us how to do that first. So it was really interesting, like kind of study in how, you know, I mean, obviously it was, it was a 10 year period, but what was going through their brains and what the messages they were picking up. And yeah, it was definitely like my Robin Hood account is full, but I don't want to learn all the other stuff. Is that then, Shauna, where younger people are playing a different game, where they should be in foundational mode, building the boxing out of the house? I think so. I mean, with social media and everything, there's this allure, like Paulette was talking about, like this is allure for you know, let me hit it big. Like, let Mm -hmm. me invest in this one thing that someone else did and like suddenly turn into a millionaire, you know, you know, with age, you realize that doesn't really happen. There's so many people on Instagram that are just like touting that all the time. Like, quit going to your job and blah, blah, blah. Like you're a sucker if you're doing that. And, you know, sometimes I feel like a sucker because I'm like, I'm working really hard. What's going on? And I'm like, oh yeah, life is not Instagram. I think that it can it can feel like, oh, what's wrong with me? I'm the idiot because I haven't struck it rich yet when it seems like everyone else has on social media. Is that the name of t- today's uh, – is that the, what we're going to title today's episode? Life is not Instagram? <laughs> like that's that's our hard hit. You're really going after young people. Life is not TikTok. <laughs> on Wednesday, Joe, we just recommended to everybody to go buy a couple of boats and make $39,000 a month. Right. There we go. Doing 30 minutes of work a day. We from did Instagram advice. So I don't, I mean, we can't counter that now. We went all in on that on Wednesday, didn't we? That's right. Shauna, we told everybody here, you heard it here first, just go buy a boat. Your problems are solved. I mean, it's not easy, right? I'm sure that's what you taught, right? It is, you know, go buy a boat, just call it a day. It's all going to be smooth sailing from there. Len, do you remember, I mean, the same thing in 2000 to 2002, all the talk about the new economy. Remember the new economy, Len? Well, yeah, the internet was going to change everything and everybody was getting into anything related to internet. If there's any internet company, people were throwing money at it right and left. 
And people were getting wealthy, admittedly. I mean, those first few years, there were a lot of people that turned into multimillionaires and billionaires. You know, Mark Cuban is one of the first guys I, I can think of back then. He made he made a fortune. Uh, just I think he had um, I can't remember what it was what what he did, but he sold a company that it was an internet company. And I think since then that company went down the toilet after he sold it. it. Was, but I think it was Radio.com. Okay, maybe that's what it was. But but people were were getting into all kinds of stuff like that. And here's another thing they were doing during the internet, which, which was interesting, kind of like speculative. People were buying domain names at the time, if you remember, and. People were were speculating on domain names because if you had the right domain name, you could make a fortune. I remember, I think, business.com. So whoever was smart enough to nab that domain name made, I don't know, I think it was like $50 million or six, just for grabbing at that, that domain name. So there's all kinds of speculation. I think the pressure on the newer generation, Gen Z and the millennials that as Gen Xers and the boomers didn't have, didn't have to worry about, is social media. And social media tends to put... A lot of pressure on people and makes them more vulnerable to some of these get rich quick things because it's so social media now. People are shilling everything and they look, you can get rich fast. And it's a lot of pressure that uh, we didn't have back in before the advent of social media. So I think it's a lot harder for the younger generations these days, or, or they're more easily susceptible to being taken in by some of these. Poor investments. And those buy now, pay later buttons on every single checkout. It's just like, oh my God. Everything. Yes. Yes. Everywhere. What could go wrong with that too? There's no interest, Paulette. You're good. I think it's also increased the like mental health catastrophe when it comes to money, social media. You know, I think more and more people are anxious, depressed, even suicidal when it comes to money because so much of it is just in our face all day long. Well, and even it's it's funny, even pieces like this, don't get me wrong, your average, you know, 28-year-old is not going around reading Forbes. But I read part of this piece and uh, tell me, Paulette, what you think about this when I read this. Goals could include, it says, buying a house or car, going back to school, getting married or starting a family. That struck me as, <laughs> it struck me as like that not too many people these days are thinking about starting a family that young. I don't know. It made me think about, I was just doing this story yesterday just for like a YouTube podcast I was writing for someone. It was three log cabins, quote log cabins that were like 10,000 square feet. And you know, I'm like, this is what we need to be showing young people. Like, look at these amazing freaking houses and all the things you could, the big toys you can get when you grow up. If you, you know, save, obviously that was an extreme example, but people want to have big experiences when they're young. I know I did. So I made all kinds of terrible financial decisions. I just thought of these goals as I read them. I don't know, maybe, maybe Shauna, it's more the experience you and I had is financial planners, uh, house or car, going back to school, getting married, starting a family. Like these feel like I, I used to call them Puritan ethic goals because they were the goals we thought we had to have, right? Because they were ingrained yeah, absolutely. In, in my, you know, middle-class European upbringing that this is what I had to do. I feel like just even listing those goals from a financial planning point might be a mistake. Yeah. I mean, and and those are the big things, right? Those are the things that everyone feels like is the quote unquote American dream or the things that you have to achieve. And like, if you don't, if you don't do those things, somehow you're not doing any of this right. Maybe that's a difference too about the younger generation is like what Paulette was saying is they shaking things up, you know, not having kids as early, um, you know, taking more risks maybe with their careers I have a lot of younger friends who don't even want to own a house. You know, the idea mm. of that is just paralyzing to them. 
Well, and partly paralyzing because different than Len, when you and I were growing up, my dad worked for the same company for over 30 years, right? How often does that happen? I don't know how, how long, I think your dad worked for one place for a long time too, right? Yeah, my dad worked, uh, oh my gosh, it was so many, I, I want to say 50, uh, not that long, maybe maybe 40 years for the, with the yeah. same company. Yeah, it was, it was a long time. And that just doesn't happen anymore. But, um, you know, back then companies had pensions too. If you stuck it out, you got a nice pension, which that's something that very few people get anymore, unless you work mostly in a government job. Those are gone. And that, that's really, oh my gosh, that was a huge benefit that younger generation today absolutely cannot take advantage of. It just makes me wonder then. With the rate of change and people's jobs changing, obviously that makes owning a house a different proposition, makes it for some people owning a car a different proposition, makes starting a family a different proposition. Len, sticking with you, do you think that, you know, if I'm a younger person and people like me always talk about begin with the end in mind, those long-term goals are going to change a lot. Like, is it even relevant to start off with an end in mind when you're investing? I think the only goal that I think the most important goal is you just don't want to outlive your money. But up front, you want to just start saving. Goals are going to change. I mean, it's just as you get older in life, the older, you know, us older folks, I mean, you think I, – I remember there was a period in my 20s I didn't want any kids. I didn't want kids. And then that changed when I got into my early 30s. I was like, no, I want kids. You know, So it's foolhardy to make long-term goals, I think. Things are just going to change. So you can't do that. So just get started saving, I think, is the, is the main goal. And make sure you're going to save enough so you don't outlive your money. I think that's the only thing you can really plan it, especially early on. I'm sorry. I just can't get the uh, horrifying image of Len at a singles bar in his early 30s going, let's procreate. I've changed my mind. <laughs> it, is, it, it, is time. it might not have worked that way. But Shauna, what would you tell people, you know, that are young? Because I do think goal setting is important. In this piece, it says set goals, right? Yeah. But when people think about the long term, how do they how do they justify setting goals when everything could be so up in the air? Yeah, and I think that's what keeps people really stuck when it comes to goals because they feel like they they have to be set in stone. And really, as as Len's saying, you know, a goal is going to change a million times over. So it's more like setting a kind of loose target, if you will. I always had people create what I call the money vision chart. So I would have them just like post pictures and like draw things and kind of, you know, childlike way of thinking about what they want their life to look like. But to me, it was a little bit easier to to get people to understand that versus, you know, setting this kind of hard, fast goal. But yeah, I think when you're young, it's just it's just it's just about saving. Like, let's just try and put away money and know that life is going to take so many twists and turns. And you're going to thank yourself later for starting to save early, but don't be so fixated on achieving these specific goals. You can point in that direction, but give yourself a little flexibility. I love the fact that it's okay that the goals are going to change. It's okay. That's fantastic. I feel like to your point, a lot of us don't think so. We got to give ourselves a little grace. Yeah. And you know, from, you know, from working with, with clients, right? Like once they set a goal, like they feel like they have to achieve it, you know? And so right. it's like you giving them permission slip that no, it's okay. You can change it. But there's part of that that I like, because once you say it out loud, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I really like that. Once you say it out loud, you're much more likely to achieve it. If I say, I'm going to do X by this date on the show, I just told, you know, a ton of people that I'm going to do this thing. Mm -hmm. And you're so much more likely to make that happen. 
In the second half, we're actually going to dive into this piece a little, some of the foundational things that they say that young people, or even if you're older, if you're just starting out, wherever you're at, what are some of the foundational things that this piece says people should do? And we'll get our panel's thoughts on those. But before we get there at the halfway point of every Friday Stacky Benjamins podcast, we have this gladiator type, I don't that's not a good, good description, uh, battle between our three frequent contributors, Mr. Len Penzo, Ms. Paulette Perhatch, and uh, Mr. OG, who's not here today. So Shauna, today you're sitting in for OG, which is some uh, good news and some bad news. You want the good news first or the bad news, Shauna? Oh, no. Hit me with the bad news first. Well, the bad news is, is you're going to have to guess first because the good <laughs> news is, is you are tied for first and you and OG are the current reigning champion from last year. Oh, great. So, <laughs> so your first time on the show, you get to kick this off with a question that of course is going to be very easy. Our Friday questions, always just a layup. Everybody knows exactly. No, nobody knows what they are. He's lying. Yes. I'm, I'm so, so lying. OG has a uh, two. Len, you are tied for first with two. Paulette, you are right behind there with one. Let's see if we can make this a three-way tie, or will Leonard OG pull ahead? Doug, you've got the question. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And on today's date in history in 1921, Lieutenant William D. Coney touched down in Florida, completing the first transcontinental flight in 24 hours. It was only two short years later that the first nonstop transcontinental flight landed in New York. Ah, the miracle of flight. First, winged birds taking us from place to place and later paying a hundred extra bucks for three inches of legroom. But let's rewind even further to those Benjamin stackers in transportation. In 1903, only 18 years earlier, the first transcontinental auto trip was completed. How long did that auto trip take? I'll be back right after I go check my oil in the El Camino. It's amazing that in 18 years, we went from driving a car across the United States to Hmm. transcontinental flight. Pretty amazing. In 24 hours. Very, very amazing. But what's more- a clarifying question? Yes. How are we measuring the time? Hours or days or months or years? Yes. you, You choose- do not answer you that, choose. Joseph. And trust Doug to do the calculations. <laughs> oh, wow. Woke up this morning and chose violence, didn't you, Paulette? <laughs> well, that is how NASA crashes rockets, okay? So if NASA can't even handle it, I'm worried about you. <laughs> Just saying. We will be able to hit pause at the midway point, but uh, Shauna, you can do it in seconds. You can do it in minutes, days, weeks, years. How long did the first transcontinental auto trip take? You know, I have no idea, but you know, the first number that came to my mind was 13 months. So I'm going with it. 13 Mm. months to go from West coast to East coast. Mr. Penzo, you're up next. What do you think? Hmm. Well, if you guys want to go get a cup of coffee, now's a good time. Cause Len usually takes about 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, Shauna stole my answer. I was going to say 13 months too, but I'm going to have to try something a little different wow. now. Uh, let's see. I think it's less than that. Uh, let's say goodness gracious. What, can you tell me what year that was again? That was 1903. 1903. Uh, 
1903. That's going slow. This is okay. So they literally drove a car all the way across country, huh? My goodness. Um, no, they did it figuratively. It says here, not literally. What? No, I'm kidding. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> they so, waved at Custer as they drove past Bull Run. <laughs> well, let's see. I mean, I mean, the, you think about it. The, the roads. The, there wasn't a very good highway system, obviously. So I bet you they were taking some dirt roads. Oh, that's right. I-80. I-80 was horrible back in those days. Yeah, I-80 was gone. I don't even think there was a a Route 66 back then. Um, Oh, and the Waffle Houses? I'm going to go wash my car. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know what? I'm going to say, I'm going to say a week. Seven days. Seven days. Wow. From 13 months to seven days. Paula Perhatch, that gives you a big... I did it in 10 days in 2022. You may have gone slower than Len. Uh, Len may drive faster than you, apparently. Were you in a Model T? I was in a RAV4, thank you. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, so they just... are they? It's so hard to know what style they were doing. Did they pull off to check out the world's largest hand-painted check egg in Kansas, as my best friend and I did? That takes time. Um... Feeling a lot of pressure to get this right. I'm going to say, I'm going to say a month. A month. So we've got. Doug, I hope your abacus can handle. He is. He's he's calculating. Right now, it's like goodwill hunting. And there's there's just (laughs) calculations floating in front of my eyes right now. And I've already zeroed in on the number. How do you like them apples? (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. Impressive. That may or may not be what's really happening, but he saw the movie. We, so we've got uh, numbers. I, I don't think if we had a disparity this large in a long time, we've got we got seven days. I was going to say eight days, but I decided to not be a jerk. And if it loses me this point, I'm going to be mad. She's coming across my dad's shortwave to strangle everybody. <laughs> well, I will. We would love to see which one of the three of you is right or closest anyway, Uh, but we don't play that way. We'll be right back. Well, if you're new to Stacky Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now... Because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? 
Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Shauna, I get the feeling from Len and Paulette's guesses that they might have thought you were a touch over at 13 (laughs) months. That's okay. I'm, I'm... You know, I'm comfortable with You're it. You're feeling pretty good. You got to just go with the first I thing. I literally in your know head. nothing, so I don't don't feel. <laughs> I have no idea. And uh, well, Paulette, while you're up, you feeling pretty good about a month? No, I feel terrible. This is a <laughs> just been a huge dig on my self esteem. <laughs> That's a different you- podcast. <laughs> That's a whole, <laughs> whole different. Len, Len, uh, seven days drove across uh, from coast to coast. Did they do it in 1903 faster than Paulette did it? Well, I mean, didn't the Donner party, I bet you they got across country on, on oxen like and one of them stagecoach. Did. And, and, well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I guess you're right. They didn't Paulette's make it all the way. <laughs> I hope so. I need it. Shauna thinks it's Paulette. You think it's Paulette as our winner? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about her answer. If Paulette is a winner, we've got a three-way tie. Doug, who's going to win this thing? Hey there, stackers. I'm aisle seat lover and rightful middle armrest owner, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. I seriously don't need to be that guy, but no, I do not recline my chair on domestic 90-minute flight. I'm not a Neanderthal. But have you seen how small the seats are these days? Seriously, Spirit Airlines will soon charge you extra if you want a seatbelt that fits all the way around your prodigious middle section. Well, I could wax poetic about discount airline fees, but you're here for the trivia answer, aren't you? Here was the question. No, the first we're not. Trans- we're not. We're here for you to wax poetic. That's okay. actually... Well, buckle up, because I got about three more paragraphs to go. <laughs> <laughs> the first transcontinental auto journey began on May 23rd, 1903. Well, how long did it take? Physician Horatio Nelson Jackson was an early auto enthusiast, but didn't even own a car or have access to maps when on May 18th, he accepted <laughs> you a tell us. Benjamin $50 wager, which was roughly $1,500 in today's dollars. In the next few days, he bought a used car and then set out. On the first day, he realized his lights weren't bright enough and mounted a spotlight on the front of the car. On the third day, some woman sent him 108 miles in the wrong direction just so her relatives could see oh the car. I'll just say the rest of the trip didn't get that much better. And he finally arrived in New York City only 63 days, 12 hours, and 30 minutes later, <laughs> making Paulette our winner. And we got a three-way. Yes. And her self-esteem is intact. Self-esteem resumes. She's going to be high-fiving everybody on that Baja track. Do you know what I did this week? Do you know what I just did? I just was 63 days to make that joke. Shauna, not as long as you guessed, but that's still quite a long time. 
you know, I figured, you know, you, you're probably going to, you need to stop and like see things and you need to have some snacks. So, I mean, fight off bears. 13 months, take your time. Yeah. It is so, it, it's such a, we will link to this, by the way, in the show notes, because all the stuff that really happened as we were researching this is uh, this trip across country was not easy. And they just finished the route when the drivetrain broke. It was the only piece of the car that hadn't broken along the way. The rest of it had at least broken once up until that point. Just <laughs> amazing. Yeah. How much more durable cars are today. Time for our second half of the show. Second half of this discussion brought to you by Magnify Money. Sean, uh, you know what happens when you go to stackybedjamins.com slash magnify money? Tell me. <laughs> you, you, you find that those, that those brick and mortar bank products you use every day, like savings accounts, checking accounts, CDs, maybe not best in class. There's a whole world of online banking out there and Magnify Money pits them against each other. 92% of all the online banks go head to head at Magnify Money. Check them out at stackybedjamins.com slash Magnify Money and you'll soon compare, ditch, switch and save. All right. In the second half of this discussion... I want to talk about this. So Shauna, let's start with you. How does someone with a lot of time until they reach the goal, how do they trick themselves into getting into the saving game? Somebody's listening to us today and they're not really big into saving. How do we trick ourselves to do it? A couple of things. I tell everyone that you can actually find money in your bank account, that it's hidden there. It's just kind of waiting for you to like uncover it. So I talk about this idea of, of mindful spending and it really is just simply like asking yourself questions when you go to buy something, you know, is it needed? Will I care about it in 30 days? And at what cost am I buying this? So I think one of the the ways to like trick yourself into saving is actually to to spend smarter and to really think about your purchases. And if you decide, nah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to need this. I'm not going to need it in 30 days. This is not something I'm actually going to care about. Like, can I actually take that money I was going to spend and move it to my savings or to one of my money goals? So I like to make money be a little bit of a game, like a little competition with yourself. I think when we bring a little fun into it, it makes saving a little bit easier. Paulette, you inspired a lot of people back in 2016 with your fun, right? A lot of people that weren't savers, I heard from a lot of people that weren't savers, how much that inspired them to say, oh, this will help me quit my job. Are you kidding? I, I got to get going. Like that is some cool motivation, but how do you keep that rolling? Well, I think the important thing there is the emotional impetus. Like emotions are so huge. And so one thing I like to do is to make it a positive thing. For example, starting a small goal with your friends and creating a money culture among your friends. I mean- I kind of struggle here in Gainesville because a lot of my friends are like, you know, dentists and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is really affecting how I spend. <laughs> like, I need to be like, I am the artist. Come over to my house when you'd like to have cocktails. And yeah, like kind of have those small wins so you can build up to the big wins. You know, say, hey, let's all let's all save up to like go on a trip to New York next week or something like that. Not in a Model T. But kind of having it be towards something positive so that you don't just see the no, no, no ahead of you. Well, Shauna, does that get back to your vision board that you were talking about earlier about get, getting yeah. getting crazy with crayons and just putting some stuff out there? Absolutely. Right. You know, I, I think attaching like what Paulette's saying about the fun, right? So it's it's attaching like feelings to what you're doing with your money, to to how you're saving your money, how you're spending your money. And when you start to tap into those feelings, 
then money starts to become a little bit more real to you. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I maybe am, you know, not going to do X, Y, Z because I want to go on a trip with my friends to New York. So I'm going to, I'm going to make that decision, right? Because that's something I really want to do. And they put establishing a budget as number two on this list after start off by setting your goals. How did you start your first budget or did you follow the advice that's here and start a budget when you were first starting out? I did. I set up a budget. And, you know, one of the things when you set the budget is remember to pay yourself first. I know a lot of people when they'll set a budget, they'll say, okay, well, let's start with my expenses and, you know, and and I'm going to budget this much for my groceries and this much for whatever, my gasoline for transportation, blah, 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 blah. And then whatever's, they, they try to squeeze their savings based on their initial budget that they set on their expenditures. Instead, start with the savings. How much, set a goal for what you want to save and then see if you can fit the remaining budget from your expenses after that. And if you can't, then pare down your savings a little bit. But start with your savings first, pay yourself first as well. That kind of goes with the pay yourself first. But I think that what that does too is what people should do, which is if you can't afford everything, then Len, also look at your income opportunities because income is blue sky potential, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can only trim so much. I mean, I don't think Len, you can, you can't shrink your way to greatness. Somebody once said. Of course not. Yeah, that's right. I mean, so get get a side hustle. If you can't, you know, if you don't have enough income from your primary job, get a side hustle, get a second job, look for other ways, creative ways to increase your income. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you can only cut so much. Uh, you, nobody's ever gotten rich living frugally. Paula, you've talked very openly in the past about struggling with budgets. And and then I'm wondering about trying different types of budgets. Like for you, is there a type that works better than a different type? Is there one you've found you stuck to more often than another one? Yeah, I'm a big fan of YNAB. Uh, You need a budget. I've just found that works for me. And then just getting it out of out of sight, out of mind as much as possible. That's like a big ADHD principle (laughs) and like using that in a positive way. to get your money out of your site so that you don't think about it. Well, and as a guy who also has ADD, that works for me incredibly well. Mm -hmm. Like setting up automatic systems so things flow where they're supposed to flow and I don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. If I think about it, I get this jumble in my brain about, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to, how am I going to get that done? Like I don't have any money on me right now. If I do, I will blow it. So everything goes automatically in the right place. Yeah. Those automatic payments are essential. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so much better. Number three, Sean, on this list, they have opened a savings account as number three. Is that like an important foundational first step for people? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we need some sort of account to direct our, our savings. I mean, what you and Paula were talking about, I'm a huge fan of automation. If you can just make that money automatically show up in a savings account, that's going to take all of your decision out of what you should do with that money. We all know that if we leave money in our bank account, it just goes down like the drain pipe where... <laughs> You know, we have no idea what we spent the money on, but somehow it's just like vaporized into thin air. So yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm a fan of a high yield savings account over a regular bank savings account, but that's just personal preference. Put it somewhere, have it go somewhere outside of your checking account. Uh, uh, Len? Yeah. In the last six months or so, interest rates have been going up and what I've been doing better than a high yield savings account and better than a money market fund are short term treasury bills. And if you go to treasurydirect.gov right now, you for a four-week treasury bill, uh, I just bought one. I mean, you can get them f- for 4.6% interest right now. 
it's more than any money market's paying you, and it's actually safer than a money market. It's actually safer than your savings account in a bank. So, so you just um, ladder these then? I you're ladder laddering them. them. Exactly. Yes, I do. I've, I, you buy them over a period of eight weeks or so, and uh, I've got them laddered. And every two weeks, I have access to whatever I put into that most recent T-bill. And it's, it's, it's really good. But right now, the interest is just – it's great. I mean, the thing with the money markets is you got to remember, if there's a crisis, they can gate hmm. your money. And they can also impose fees uh, for crisis fees. But a treasury bill, that doesn't happen. And the other nice thing about treasury bills is they're exempt from state taxes. So if you have just some cash, instead of a savings, put in a savings account, consider a T-bill. Go to treasurydirect.gov and you can buy it from there. It's really super easy, folks. The way you, over the number decade, Len, or so that we've been doing this, the way you always string out good advice, you're like, yeah, savings account is fine. High yield savings account is fine. What I really like, and we all lean forward, I thought you were going to say the number four horse in the number six race. <laughs> like that was, well, though, but if somebody's I, got a tip, let me, let me know. <laughs> I mean, screw emergency fund. Let's get rich today. Come on. Everybody knows that's a sure winner. Shauna, starting an emergency fund and saving for retirement, they have those as four and five. And yet you and I have seen plenty of people that get hung up on starting an emergency fund and they give up that compounding interest, right? So do I begin those concurrently? Do I do the emergency fund first? Like how do you advise people to take on those two things? Well, you know, traditional money advice tells you to save three to six months worth of your expenses in an emergency fund. But for some people that could take them years to get to that point. So I'm a big fan of balance, you know, put some in your emergency fund, but also start investing. Like you talked about compound interest. So, you know, that is incredibly important. And, you know, it just comes back to math and numbers. The the earlier you start saving, the least amount of money you have to put in it for it to, you know, compound into something great in, in 20, 30 years. If we go back to this idea of quote unquote younger people versus older people, I think a lot of younger people still look at the stock market as you, you can lose your money. Like, why would I put my money in something that that I can lose it versus putting it in a savings account and I know it's there? So I think it's it's also just shows like this. It's just educating people about why it's important to start putting some money in the stock market, you know, in your 401k or your Roth or your IRA, even if you don't exactly know what you're doing. The math is going to help you get where you need to go. Well, and I also like the earlier you start those things, you're going to make mistakes and it's not going to kill you, Shauna. So I think that the earlier you make those mistakes, the better off you're going to be, like make them. Absolutely. And mistakes are going to happen. I mean, all of us sitting here, we've all admitted to making many, many, many money mistakes. So, you know, we're not, there's not a person that is exempt from this. And that's how I want to end this discussion. I want you guys all to fill in the, this blank and we'll have Shauna's our guest of honor go last. If I'd known when I was beginning what I know now, I would have done blank. Wait, let me start crying. Len? Jeez. <laughs> if you knew then what you knew now, what would you have done differently? I would have taken more risk. And I've said this before. I wasted a lot of my younger years. I, you know, the beauty of being young is you have a lot of time to recover from mistakes and poor decisions. That is the time to take the risk. Not when you're older like me now. And you have much more opportunities to make bigger gains up front when you're young because you have the time to recover. And I wish I'd have taken more risks. Paulette, 
I would have liked to have known that there was like professional help and before making any really big decisions that you should invest in getting help or somehow get help from someone. That's fabulous. Surrounding yourself with smart people. Yeah. Shauna. Uh, I wish I would have better advocated for myself as a female. I got divorced when I was in my early 30s and we had spent most of our 20s socking away money in his retirement plan. So when we got divorced, I was left with zero, none of that. So I wish I would have taken better charge of my money. Wow. Wow. Oh, no. Oh, no. I think that's great advice. I I love all three of those guys. And thanks for hanging out with me today, talking about this stuff. Let's find out what's going on where all of you are. Mr. Penzo, what's going on at thelenpenzo.com today? Well, Joe, you know, I've always got the most hard hitting stuff at my personal finance blog, lenpenzo.com. And this week, it is no different. We discuss credit and debit and how both of them are like salad dressing. Stop on by and you'll learn, you'll learn how credit versus debit, it, how that relates to salad dressing. I it, believe me, it's, it's going to be something you'll, you'll never forget it, folks. You'll never forget it. Is one more like basalmic? Where it's kind of good for you, but it tastes like crap. And the other one's like blue cheese where it's amazing, but you can feel the pounds being added to your body every bite. You know, Joe, and maybe I should have gone to Paulette again in her her, her great writing course, but I didn't. And so, I, you know, there's just – there's one thing to this this story. I mean, if I, if I told you – I, there's not multiple parts to this. So if I told you now, nobody would, would stop by and, and, and probably nobody's going to stop by anyways. But, but anyways, if you do stop by, you will learn the difference. You, you'll learn the similarities between credit, debit, and salad dressing. I stop by often and you should too at lempenzo.com. <laughs> Paula Perhatch, besides heading off to Mexico to go gallivanting across the Baja Peninsula, what else are you going to do? What's going on with you? Um, we're looking at, uh, on welcome to the writer's life.com, uh, embrace the suck and, uh, you know, just having a better attitude about how hard some goals are and just having it be, which is like, it's a military phrase. I really love Jocko Willink. It's pretty funny because he's like the human opposite of me, but I like his wisdom. And so I've been looking at a few of his, his videos. I like how she had to specify he's the human opposite. Like she's gone through all the species and he's the one that she slotted in for the humans. Not the koala opposite. We all know who that is. <laughs> Shauna, it's about damn time we got you here. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. This was super fun. You know, I'm, I'm sorry that I uh, didn't pull it out with the trivia, but you know, you can't win them all, right? <laughs> I needed it. I needed it, Shauna. All right. I, I teed you up, Paulette. I teed you up. I need this. I think uh, a lot of people happy right now that OG did not win this week. So that is perfectly fine. But what's happening to everyone's talking money? We do three episodes a week. So, you know, there is always something interesting going on. We just had somebody on who talked about the social nervous system and how that plays into your money decisions. So, you know, we talk about some really interesting stuff. It is always a fun conversation when Sean is involved. And that's Everyone's Talking Money, wherever finer podcasts are distributed, correct? That is correct. Yes. So pause right now and go subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money. All right. And then, now that you're back, Doug, you can finish this for us. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, no matter what your age, start by setting goals and making a budget. It doesn't matter if they change later. That's okay. 
Just get started by writing stuff down, preferably in crayon. <laughs> Second, take it from Paulette Perhatch. Life is pretty much the same as Instagram. That's, that's what you said, right? <laughs> See, I was paying attention. <laughs> but the big lesson, no matter how old you are, it's never too late to start investing. Unless you're as old as Len Penzo. Sorry, dude, you missed out. Thanks to Shauna Game for hanging out with us today. You'll find her podcast, Everybody's Talking Money. See? It's catchy. You're going to use it. Wherever young kids are listening to their podcasts these days. Thanks to Len Penzo for joining us today. You can find Len at lenpenzo.com slash don't make me pull this car over. Thanks also to Paulette Perhatch, who helps writers power their words, their work, and their earning potential. Ready to get serious about your writing? Find out more at thatwriterpaulette.com. Okay, deep breath. <sighs> this show is the property of SP Podcast LLC, copyright 2023, and is written in part by Paulette Perhatch. Thanks also to our team who made today possible. Karen Repine plotted out this episode for us and schedules our guests. Kevin Bailey creates our amazing newsletter, The 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Kate Youngkin and Gertrude Smith are our social media mavens. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Hey, we talked today about a lot of uh, advice that we gave young people. I thought we gave them great advice. I especially like the advice. Well, I liked all of it, but I really liked that advice at the end. 
about what we wish we would have gotten right. But but I'm wondering advice that you've given. Is there any advice that you've given somebody where in hindsight you're like, oh, I, I should not have, I should not have given that advice. Like that was probably fairly bad advice. I'll give one. And this is a, this is actually a good lesson before the financial crash of 2007, 2008, when I was a financial planner being too close to general motors and being too close to the, the auto industry, I looked at preferred stocks for the automotive and, and knowing that preferred stocks are much higher up on the ladder in the case of a bankruptcy. And also the fact that everybody was saying, these auto manufacturers will not go through a bankruptcy. Like, would they really go through bankruptcy? When I saw General Motors Preferreds through the floor, I would tell my most aggressive clients, I was like, do you, do you seriously think GM's going bankrupt? And the bad news was I was in the backyard of GM. And so was all, so were all my clients. And of course, all my clients are like, no, that'd be, how the hell would GM go? There's no way GM would go bankrupt. This institution has been around forever. And we ended up, we ended up uh, through a bunch of moves, finding the money to make sure that, that, that things went well. But that was a horrible piece of advice that made me realize that I was way too emotional because General Motors was in my backyard. Like all the data mm. said, don't put any money in GM. Yet because it was in my backyard, I was like, what could go wrong? So that was, that was some bad stuff I did. I'm sure you guys have never done any, given any bad advice. I've also told people in the mall when they asked me like which way a store is, and I was very sure it was one way. And then I realized right after they left that I pointed them exactly in the wrong direction. I've done that too. I mean, everyone's done that, haven't they? <laughs> That's always a great one. I'm like, oh crap. Come on, Shauna. You never gave any bad advice. I'm sure. I mean, you know, probably not. I, I don't know if it's bad advice, but I've definitely told some people that everything would be okay when I'm looking at everything and I don't think everything's going to be okay for them. So, I mean, that's pretty horrible, but, you know. What about on like a personal level? I told my brother one time he was dating this girl and I thought he should continue dating her at the time. And in hindsight, that was like the worst advice I could have given him. Like six months later, I'm like, why, why did I tell him? Mm-hmm. Why? Paulette, you've never given bad advice. Mm-mm. Oh, I, um, I advised my mom to buy the house next door to mine as an investment property. So glad she didn't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is when you feel lucky, isn't it? You're like, thank God. Mm-hmm. Mr. Penzo. I gave I gave uh, a lot of bad advice uh, in my early tw- or my late twenties when I bought that house, that infamous house by the railroad tracks that was um, that I should have never bought. <laughs> the story always makes me feel better, Len. Yeah, but 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 you're asking you know about advice, and I was giving advice. I was asked. I was telling anybody who had listened that my house was a was a great deal, and they should take it off my hands. And <laughs> nobody took the advice, but. <laughs> I <horrible>. tried. <laughs> Nobody listened. That is horrible. Have you ever seriously tried to sell something like a car that you knew is just absolutely horrible and you're just <laughs> like covering it? No, hey, this is great. No, it's amazing. Terrible. What is that? They're like, uh, oil leak? What oil leak? That's liquid testosterone. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I stole that from a Bud Light commercial. I totally did. That is not my joke. Doug, how about you? You've never given bad advice. 
Well, you know, I don't really give financial advice, but I do a lot of stuff outdoors. I've done quite a bit of camping. And uh, what I usually tell people is if you're camping and you run out of toilet paper, just pick any leaf. <laughs> you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Oh, they're all safe. Oh, no. Has anybody chosen the wrong leaf before? None that have found me afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I chose the wrong leaf.